0: And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast to listen to. Understood explains. Search for Understood explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression. And this podcast aims to share it all from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Hi, and welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast, Behind the Sessions. In these Every other week episodes, I'm diving into what comes up in therapy. What are people talking about? What kinds of issues are people struggling with and what is contributing to people's challenges? And today I wanna bring something to the forefront that for whatever reason has been coming up even more so lately, which is how people are impacted, how my clients, let's say, And people seeking therapy are impacted when their family doesn't get it, when the family does not understand what's happening for them. And then sometimes, even how the family judges or blames them for what is happening for them. This is a really difficult topic. It can be very touchy for a lot of people, but it's also one of these dynamics that leaves people feeling really, really isolated and alone and just for my ease of speaking in this chat today i'm going to primarily refer to the postpartum period and mostly refer to moms however if you aren't a mom or don't identify as such or if you're in another reproductive period of life like fertility journey or pregnancy or birth is your primary stressor these themes can all still apply to you but would have different context or maybe some different dynamics that show up. But what I really want to get across is this kind of uh, underbelly of the emotional pain and struggle that happens when clients or people who are seeking therapy don't feel supported. So I'll also use clients as a way to describe the person who's at the core of this, who's having this emotional experience. I'm also going to offer another preface to this topic by saying I'm not necessarily here to do a spouse or partner bashing or a family bashing. I simply want to convey that the people who are struggling and struggling with this dynamic with this challenge, how it impacts them, how it impacts you. If you are somebody who feels not understood by your spouse or, or family, it impacts you in very real ways. And it can be really confusing that your family members or your spouse don't understand you, or maybe outright don't support you or blame you. But what I want to be clear is that I don't know what's going on for, you know, let's say your partner or your family members. I don't know if they are going through their own stuff that impacts their ability to be supportive to you. If they have their own issues that are going on, if they don't have the coping skills or tools to support you so i have compassion for family members as well and there is space to do better and hopefully we can get to some pointers to help in that direction closer to the end of my chat today so if you're somebody who experiences this in your family that you've tried to explain to them how you're doing, how it feels and what it's like, but they don't seem to get it, or they blame you, you may have heard comments from them like this, that you need to get over it, you need to stop complaining, that you're being dramatic, that you are being selfish or self-centered, that you should have been able to be better by now. I've even heard families blame clients who are dealing with perinatal mental health challenges, that they are the reason that the family isn't like it used to be because their anxiety, their depression, their whatever's going on for them has somehow impacted the family so much so that if they were to just get better, do better, be better, then everything would be fine. And I'm sure as Just check in with yourself as I say these things, how infuriating that would be, how upsetting that would be to hear that, and how inaccurate those types of statements are. I've also heard from some clients, they'll express to their spouse, let's say, for instance, that that I'm very tired, I need to rest. And the partner will come back and say, well, I'm tired too, or I don't have time to myself either. And... While those types of things may be true, maybe they're tired too. Maybe they don't have time to themselves either. That type of responding really tends to negate and diminish your experience. If you're hearing these things from your family members or loved ones, you might feel like shutting down. You might feel like you don't want to share how you're doing anymore because it just creates this other thing. And it can start to feel like a competition that somehow every time you talk about how you're doing, you hear from your partner that they're in an equal or worse off situation. And then nobody's getting any support. So again, this can leave you feeling really alone and isolated and sad. And in some situations, people can feel very gaslit. Like, they are being told that their experience is inaccurate or wrong, even if it had already been acknowledged in some way by a family member. It can get really very emotionally messy. Some of the contributors to a family member's response to you, I think, has to do with some of what I'd stated before, that they themselves, you know, may have... Their own needs that aren't being met. They're also tired. They don't have coping skills or tools. But there are quite a few of the myths that follow us and that have been internalized by people about what motherhood is supposed to look like and be like. So let's say if you are exhausted and tired and overwhelmed and are not feeling like being a parent that day, which is a thing and that happens and it's real, and you express that to a family member saying like, I just don't wanna do this today. And they come back with, well, you chose to be a mom. This is what you wanted. Those kinds of sharp responses can feel very hurtful. And again, make you feel like shutting down. But this is an example of how a myth of motherhood could be informing somebody's response to you that they have learned or it's been instilled in them that you're supposed to love all of this, that you're supposed to be happy all the time, that you're supposed to be grateful all the time. So if you are actually really dealing with a perinatal mental health condition like depression or anxiety, and that is making it that much harder for you to be present and or enjoy your parenting or motherhood journey, they, are, they may not understand that depression and anxiety are the thing that's impacting you. I want to be very clear and say that even if you're not dealing with depression or anxiety or any kind of like major stressor, you can still have times where you just don't feel like doing the job of parenting. That doesn't mean you don't love your kid. That doesn't mean, you know, you wouldn't do anything for them, but it is still very real to need a break from the job of parenting. But sometimes family members don't understand that part or they themselves haven't learned that it's a both and instead of an either or. You can both love your kid and need a break. It doesn't mean that if you want a break that you don't love your kid and want to be a mom. Hey there,
1: I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
2: Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks.
0: But what is the effect on you over time if uh, you don't feel supported and you don't feel like you have a place to really discuss or be real about how you're feeling? While you people tend to withdraw, that is very common. You feel smaller and smaller kind of internally and emotionally. You can feel like withering up, which is a contributor to feeling more depressed. If you weren't already, it could contribute to feelings of anxiety. If you feel like your feelings aren't going to be heard and validated, but you're still feeling them and you have now the pressure to hide them. Or feel like you should hide them, it can contribute to you feeling unlike high alert, overwhelmed by your own feelings, having your own internalized experience of judgment, that you shouldn't be having these feelings because X, Y and Z people told you you shouldn't. You could start to feel really angry and pissed off that nobody is hearing you and seeing you and understanding your pain. You could feel really resentful that you've tried so many times to express what is happening for you. And you're being met with blame and shame and that over time, all of these things can really deepen over time with meaning your overwhelm can grow. Your sadness can grow. Your anxiety can grow the anger, the resentment and so on and so forth. And it can become a massive contributor to you feeling even worse. And unfortunately, I do see this happen. It is really quite a sad situation when a whole family system feels overwhelmed in this way and blaming and shaming of the person at the center, you, let's say, who is in maybe the most emotional pain you've been in ever. And now you also don't have the support of the people you need the most. What can be really, really hard is to keep at bay The feeling that, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I am to blame. Maybe I am being self-centered. Maybe I am being dramatic. I should just get over it. What's wrong with me? So when we start to internalize the thoughts and feelings of other people and assuming that they are correct versus let's say what our internal lived experiences, again, that's like another contributor to feeling worse and worse and worse. The amount of anger and sadness and disappointment I hear on a weekly basis from many people because of this dynamic is really quite heartbreaking. Now there's no way for me to know what is going on in let's say your spouse's life or your family's life uh, that has led them to behave in this way. But what I can say some common dynamics are that people don't know what to do with emotional stuff. Maybe your parents, because they're older and they grew up in a generation that didn't talk about emotions, or maybe your spouse or your partner just wants to fix it. And so they go into fix it mode and they just tell you, maybe one of those fix-its is to tell you to just like do better, be better. Like you can snap out of it, which isn't necessarily a fix it, but it is an emotional response. So some of the ways in which you might feel people responding to you is to go into that fix-it mode, telling you what to do, how to do it, what they think will help you feel better. They could go into a defensive mode of like, well, I didn't do anything to cause this, I didn't contribute to this, and kind of recusing themselves or trying to back out of any responsibility that they might have in what's going on. It could be more of like an attack mode of this you're to blame, it's your fault, you need to do better. And that can feel very blaming and shaming or something like that. Some version of those types of responses. Their response doesn't always come from a bad place. I do want to say that it can come from a place of them feeling vulnerable, them not knowing what to do and them feeling scared or insecure about what's happening because we as a society don't talk about or deal with mental health in really productive ways. And It's not part of our our culture yet to meet people with a listening ear or validation right off the bat. So the responses that you're getting from people around you, I want to say very clearly have probably less to do with you and more to do with what they're going through or that they haven't learned the skills or tools to be supportive in the way that you need yet. So what I think is important for you to know is, and we have to make this very, very, very clear, is that if you are having emotional overwhelm and you need to go to talk to somebody about it or you want to talk to somebody about it, that you are not complaining about how you feel. You're not complaining about your life circumstance. You are experiencing. You are talking about your experience. It's really, I hear it so often that people, even in therapy, especially at the start of therapy where they're just trying to test out if they feel safe with me, they will say, oh, I don't mean to complain or I'm sorry that I'm complaining. And it's I view it as part of my job to make it very, very clear that these are not complaints. If you're talking about your experience, something that is impacting you, sometimes very deeply impacting you, This is not a complaint. You're not just like sitting around like, oh, I wish I didn't have to, you know, whatever, clean bottles. Although that is a pain in the ass. But it is really, really important that to know that you may have internalized these myths about motherhood or you may have internalized messages that you've heard from your spouse, people around you. If let's say if they say you're complaining, you may start to feel like, yeah, I am complaining. Or if way earlier on in your life, you learned that you talking about your emotions, that you talking about your experience was met with your family of origin, telling you that you're complaining or telling you to be quiet or telling you to suck it up, that you might have internalized the message that you're a complainer. But I'm just here to tell you that that's not the case. It's like, feelings are real they have a real impact. People don't like walk around making this stuff up. You don't want to feel this way. Nobody wants to feel this way. So when you're at a point where you're verbalizing how you've been feeling, maybe especially if you've been trying to figure out how you're feeling and you start to talk about it, it can feel really vulnerable. And so you might be saying things like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm complaining to try and like ease, somebody else's experience of your experience or to try and minimize your own feelings and almost in an apologetic way. So one part of coping with this dynamic of if your family members or partner doesn't understand what you're going through, they don't get it. They're being blaming to you is acknowledging your own experience as real and not trying to talk yourself out of that. You shouldn't feel the way that you feel or that you're making it up or that you are complaining. We have to, as a society, just accept that feelings are real, that our emotions are a real part of our human experience. And part of your healing might be that you acknowledge and accept your experience for what it is and not try to diminish it, not try to minimize it, not try to make it easier for other people to be a hearing your experience this is hard as hard easier said than done but i want to introduce it as an option because this is something that happens in therapy this is something that people talk about in therapy and while i'm you know not your therapist and this isn't meant to be therapy i want people to understand the dynamic here is that our own healing can begin with us as we start to Acknowledge and accept and validate our own experiences true and real, even if people around you aren't able to do that yet. When we have our own internalized shame, it is silencing. So it's less likely for us to share. And then if we are shamed by people around us, it's even less likely that we share or get the support that we need. These are the kinds of dynamics that people experience that keeps them silent for years and years is not wanting to be judged, not wanting to be blamed or shamed. And that's real and powerful too. Like that you don't want to have yourself being vulnerable with somebody who's going to make you feel worse. You know, so that's a real dynamic and that absolutely happens in some relationships where it's just not safe emotionally to share. However, I think that a lot of people want to be supportive in your life. They might not know how to be supportive in your life. Like we sometimes don't even know how to support ourselves, let alone other people who don't get it, being able to figure out how to support us. So I want to also offer A couple of thoughts or ideas about how to engage in a conversation with someone so you can potentially get the support that you need.
1: Feel like you're the martyr in your family
0: your partner or spouse wants to be able to support you, but that they just don't know how yet. So an entry into a conversation with a partner can sound something like this. If you're going to them because you want to talk about what's going on for you and you want to get support from them, it can sound something like this. I'd like to share with you how I'm doing. I don't need you to fix anything. I don't need you to do anything yet. I just wanna be heard. Would you be open to listening to my experience? So. These few sentences do a couple of things. One, you're basically saying I'm feeling vulnerable and I want to share that with you, which cues somebody to, if it's available to them at the time, which cues somebody to become a little bit more open to hearing your experience. By telling them that they don't need to fix anything, it lets them off the hook of needing to figure out what to do. Not that that can't be figured out at some other time, but when you're testing the waters of just, you know, being able to have a conversation that feels supportive to you, it can be useful to let them know that they don't need to know how to fix it, how to figure it out and what to do. And oftentimes you're not going to know what you need or, what to do either. So both of you are in this, can be in this space together of we don't know what to do yet, but there's a thing happening. And then by giving a direction, like I just want to be heard, further lets people know that they don't need to do anything, but then gives them a direction as well. So, okay, you just want me to listen to you. I can do that. Or, you know, if they can't, then that's another thing. That's a different conversation, but at least you know that. And then by asking, would you be open to listening to my experience, then you can find out from them if they're ready and or willing to do that. You can also offer that like you might not have time right now, but if you have some time later today, I'd really like to communicate this with you or share this with you. There are other things you can add in. Like when I share my feelings with you, it helps me feel connected to you and I want to be connected to you. These are contextual and emotional cues to the other person that, again, you are coming from a vulnerable place. You're not coming in to like blame or attack or tell them that they need to do better. You're just needing and wanting to establish a space where you can share how you're doing when they are available. And when they are available is important. It's really hard. Sometimes you know, you want to share right then, right there. And sometimes you have to do that. But what can be hard is if you're trying to communicate with somebody who already you're not quite sure if they're gonna be supportive or not. And then you try to communicate with them when they cannot be supportive, like at a time where they can't pay attention, it ends up kind of backfiring for you as well, where you again feel don't feel heard or understood. So When you're in deep emotional stuff, you can't really be paying attention to all these cues. Like, do they have time? Are they open to hearing? Like this is, I'm talking about like in an ideal scenario, possibly, but also just offering you some ways to think about how you wanna communicate about your emotional experience in a way that could potentially give you the support that you're looking for. If you want to take things a step further, there are other things you could communicate. Like, you know, if you're telling somebody they don't have to fix it, you could say, but what is supportive to me or what I do appreciate is sometimes when I'm sad, I just need a hug or I just need to be able to talk and kind of get my thoughts out of my head. You don't have to do anything. Or you can give more concrete things like, I just really need to sleep a little bit more. How can we figure out to get me a couple more hours of that? Or I need to have some alone time because I'm overstimulated. Can you help me figure out when that could happen? Or you might just need to be told that your experience is believed, whether they understand it or not, that they believe that this is what's happening for you. I think I said this before, but I believe that the basis of connection and the basis of healing is being able to share and feel validated and understood. And if not understood, then just heard that there's a safe space between you and your partner or you and your family members that you can go and that you can, both of you agree that it's okay for you to be sharing your experience and that you won't be talked out of it or dismissed or blamed healing happens when we are seen healing happens when we don't have to hide how we're feeling and when that shame can be relieved from us and that oftentimes happens in community it happens in partnership if certainly it can happen internally too and there's a lot of work that we do in therapy to reduce that shameful internal voice but it can feel really hard to be alone when you're in a partnership. It can feel really hard to be alone when you're in a family system that doesn't understand you. So if you're in a situation like that, where you don't quite yet have the support of your family or they don't get it. If you have somebody else like a friend or a trusted somebody in your life that you can share with, that's cool. You can start there. And if that doesn't feel safe enough for you, I really, really, really encourage you to seek out therapy, find a therapist who you feel like understands you and gets you and can support you in your healing journey so that you, your internal experience can feel different, can feel lighter, can feel less shameful. And so you can begin to understand yourself. So if the stuff I've been talking about today does resonate for you, I'm so glad that it does. And just please know that you're not alone. These is really something that people talk about in therapy. Relationships are really hard. There's so many great benefits to them, but there are a lot of challenges too, especially when you're in a major life transition, and when you're in a major life transition while you are in a partnership that is also changing there's so many dynamics in this that you know I'm not specifically touching on today uh, but because this is is so relevant lately in the stories that I'm hearing I just felt really called to make sure to bring this to light and for people out there who are feeling alone when they're supposed to feel like they have a partnership or the support of family, I just want you to know that it's not just you. It is really hard to express ourselves when we're in an emotional state. So if you think that this could be helpful for a family member to hear, please do share this with them with the full knowledge that I am not judging family members at all. So I'll wrap up there for now. I hope this discussion of issues that come up in sessions has been supportive to you. And if you're not already in therapy or getting the support of a professional and you need it, please consider getting that. There's no shame in getting help. It is empowering to feel better. And I know with the right kind of help that you can feel better. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Behind the Sessions. I really hope it was helpful for you. Thanks for joining me. Please find the mom and mind podcast on momandmind.com or wellmindperinatal.com, where you can also find access to my free online mini course that is specifically designed for people experiencing anxiety in the postpartum period. Or you can learn more about the three and a half hour self-paced course that I created just for managing postpartum stress. You can also connect with us on social media at Mind on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for tuning in and learning more about perinatal mental health.